Hey, Moving Forward listeners, here's today's Poshmark Power Tip. Style tags will make your listing more searchable. Add up to three, including ones for color, style, or even occasion. You can use popular ones that are pre-filled or create your own to enhance its search engine optimization. For more Poshmark seller tips, check out the Poshmark Guide for Individuals and Small Businesses, which is available on Amazon in paperback, Kindle, and as an audiobook on Audible and Apple Audiobooks. Start learning and moving forward today. Hey, John Lim here. We're moving forward with episode 429 and continuing on with this year's summer movie series. I hope you've all had a great week. Happy Friday. And just as a reminder, this episode is airing on Friday. The remainder of the summer movie series episodes are going to be airing on Friday, as I mentioned last week. So for today's movie, I thought it would be appropriate to talk about one that I really enjoyed uh, as a kid that is very much associated with the summer, and it is Transformers the Movie. Now, you may be wondering which movie I'm talking about. It's called Transformers the Movie. It is from 1986. It is the OG original animated feature following on the uh, first two seasons of the G1 cartoon, the original cartoon that aired in 1984-85. I, I ate them up as a kid, loved them, collected the toys and the whole whole thing. And in the summer of 1986, they released a feature film that followed up on those first two seasons. And I thought it'd be appropriate to talk about this because as I'm recording this episode, there is actually a live-action Transformers movie in the theaters right now called Transformers Rise of the Beasts. And it follows a long series of films that began, I think, in 2007, uh, which revived the franchise or continued the franchise in live action form. And the longevity of this franchise cannot be overstated. Transformers has been around. Even if you're not a fan, you know what Transformers are. You've heard of them. You've seen commercials. You may have seen the feature films. You may have seen some iteration of the cartoon. There have been so many different iterations of Transformers since the 1980s that I don't even know all of them off the top of my head. I can't keep track of them. But I thought I would talk about this particular movie because it has a very interesting history to it. Now, first of all, let's go over some basics. This was a 1986 big screen theatrical release. It had a budget, I looked up, of $5 million, which, as I mentioned last week, I mean, we're talking about an era in which budgets were very modest compared to what they are now. And I think that's pretty telling. Uh, however, this movie did not do well. It had a box office. According to Wikipedia, it was somewhere between 2.6 to 5.8 million, which even on a modest budget in today's terms, uh, this was not a box office hit. It was, it was a flop. Surprisingly so, but I think that is due in large part to the competition that that particular summer, which came out in 1986, there were so many big screen hits that it competed against, including Top Gun. Uh, and if you follow last year's summer movie series, I did a review of the sequel, Top Gun Maverick, The Karate Kid Part Two, Aliens, so many different movies. And I will say as a slight addendum to last week's episode, uh, for those of you who follow last week's episode, you know, it's not that there weren't franchises back then. There were, and I just named two of them, The Karate Kid and Aliens. 
And I should also mention one of the biggest ones, Back to the Future. However, as I talked about on my review of Rocky III, in the late 70s, early 80s, that really wasn't so much of a thing. We started to see movies with sequels in the 80s, but it wasn't necessarily the type of thing where they planned out major franchises. So, uh, yes, there were sequels, and there were some exceptions, such as Star Wars Back to the Future, uh, Aliens, I think is a good example, that carried over into the 90s, The Karate Kid. But a lot of these were unintentional. A lot of these movies did not start out with the intention of doing sequels. It was more a matter of, well, they did so well at the box office, so that's why they got sequels. A lot of these franchises weren't planned out. But anyway, I'm digressing. Transformers, I think, is an example of a film in which I think they were hoping it would become a huge franchise because it was already following on the heels of a very popular uh, animated series. And the studio that produced it, I think it was Sunbow with Marvel. Now, that's interesting. Speaking of franchises, Marvel, yes, was the co-production or the co-producer of this uh, cartoon series. And it was based off of a toy line from Hasbro, which also did G.I. Joe and My Little Pony, some of the big staples that are still around today, that are still popular today. And the story behind the Transformers toys are, are is pretty interesting, in my opinion. And basically, they, uh, I, th- I think it was, uh, was it Hasbro, f- saw a number of these um, popular toys in Japan. Basically, it was the whole kind of uh, robots turning into everyday objects craze that was already prevalent in Japan. And they basically, I think they got the license for a number of random <laughs> uh, uh, toys that were not part of a collection. They weren't necessarily part of a collection. And they basically repackaged them in the U.S. as Transformers and to promote them, and this was back in the 80s, where if a toy company wanted to really market a toy line, and think about not just Transformers, but G.I. Joe, My Little Pony, He-Man, all of the big staples, many of which are still in the zeitgeist today, what they would do is they would do several things. They would, first of all, they would, of course, do a lot of just mainstream marketing with commercials on TV. And in fact, Transformers started out as a bunch of cartoon vignettes like these 30 second spots of these cartoon vignettes which would then transition into basically uh, showcasing the toys themselves there were comic books and uh, there were all sorts of different things but the biggest driver of toys back in the 80s were cartoon shows cartoon series basically creating stories around these characters so on the one hand the cynical part of you might think well I was these cartoon series were basically just toy commercials. And that's what one of the biggest criticisms there was of shows like the Transformers and of the movie was that it's basically a giant toy commercial. And yes, that is true. I'm not going to discount that. But what I think Transformers did very well, both the original cartoon and the film, is it actually created a compelling story that still resonates with a lot of people today. I will still go back and revisit the uh, the original cartoon or the, the 1986 movie every now and then. And I think the fact that we today have a Transformers movie in theaters, which 
I haven't seen it, but as I understand, it takes a lot of its beats or pays homage to the original cartoon. I think that is very telling. The fact that we're in 2023 and a property from the 1980s is still uh, in the mainstream, in, still part of pop culture, I think that is pretty telling. Anyway, let's get back to Transformers the Movie 1986. As I mentioned, it was not a big box office hit. I did not happen to see this in the theater. I wanted to, but I just never got a chance to. And um, as a kid, there were only so many movies that I actually got to see in the theater just because of time and, you know, my parents were so busy. And so uh, there were maybe one or two movies that I I would get to see in the theater during the summer. And so Transformers kind of slipped my radar. It wasn't until much later when it came out on home video that I got to see it. And I was kind of both blown away, but shocked at the story. So before we get to that, let me go over the cast. This movie does have a star-studded cast, ranging from incredible voice acting talent, legends who are still working today, and many of whom are still voicing the modern-day incarnation of Transformers on the big screen, as well as the latest or the most recent cartoon adaptations or animated adaptations, mixing in a lot of guest casts who were big stars and prominent actors, both in film and television. So you had Peter Cullen as Optimus Prime, and Peter Cullen has become a superstar in his own right. He is still voicing Optimus Prime today, has done so through many iterations of Transformers. He is so closely associated with Optimus Prime that uh, anytime they announce a new Transformers property, whether it's animated or live action, one of the first announcements is always that Peter Cullen will be voicing Optimus Prime. You had Frank Welker, who voiced Megatron, Soundwave, and a number of different characters. And I should point out, Peter Cullen also voiced a number of characters too. So these were voice actors who would modulate or change their voices for many different characters. And Frank Walker is a legend in the voice acting community. You had Judd Nelson, who was at that time known mostly for his um, John Hughes films, and he was pretty big. He was part of that, what they call the Brat Pack. It was a number of actors in their 20s who were very popular on the big screen. He voiced uh, the character Hot Rod. You had Robert Stack, who uh, many people will probably know from Unsolved Mysteries, but he was also a, a, a very prolific veteran television actor back in the day, um, long before Transformers, and he voiced the character Ultra Magnus, does a great job. The late, great Leonard Nimoy, who most people know as Spock from Star Trek, he voiced uh, Galvatron. And then you had an acting legend, the, the late Orson Welles, RKO Productions, Citizen Kane, a number of historic and and famous movies voicing Unicron. I mean, that that to me is still kind of mind-blowing. And I believe is actually one of his last, if not his last, acting role was uh, voicing the, the character of Unicron. Incredible supporting cast. He had uh, veteran voice talent and actors like Eric Idle, Susan Blue, John Mashita, Jack Angel... And the list goes on and on. And I do encourage you, I'm not doing, I'm not going to be able to go through the entire cast, but do look up the voice cast from this film. There were some legends in this, uh, in this mix. And it was great that they got a lot of the voice cast who did the cartoon to also reprise a lot of their characters for the big screen adaptation. That doesn't always happen, but, but I'm glad that they kept that continuity. 
As I mentioned, and I'll leave it on this before we hit our commercial break, the cynical side of many critics said that this was a giant toy commercial. And I'm not going to dispute that. This was a giant toy commercial. The purpose of the Transformers cartoon and this movie was to sell toys. That's its primary purpose. However, I will defend both this movie and the G1 cartoon in saying that they actually put effort into the story. It was a compelling tale of good versus evil that appealed to a lot of kids, myself included, during that time. Did it make us want to get the latest toy that was out there that really, frankly, looked nothing like the cartoon? Absolutely, 100%. But I also enjoyed this cartoon outside of the uh, the fact that it was just a toy commercial. And I will say this. Even at that age, when I was really young, I recognized this was a toy commercial. I think most kids are smart enough to recognize, okay, this is a commercial. They're trying to sell me toys. But yet, it was a compelling story. And not every 80s car- And in fact, you could paint that brush with almost every 80s cartoon. Almost every 80s cartoon was really a commercial to sell toys. But not every 80s cartoon put as much effort into their storytelling, into developing memorable characters as Transformers did. And the proof is in the fact that this property has lasted decades. It has gone through many different iterations. There have been many animated series. And now there is a long-running, long-running series of live-action films, many of which take their notes, were do nods, were paying homage to the original G1 cartoon. And with that, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, I'm going to talk a little bit more about Transformers the movie, including what I think are its lasting legacy points. It's good and it's bad and why you should check it out. Hey, Moving Forward listeners, I've talked about on the Poshmark miniseries how staying organized and knowing your negotiating guidelines are key to running a successful business on Poshmark. That's why I've developed the Poshmark Seller Journal for Individuals and Small Businesses, a journal containing worksheets for inventory management and establishing negotiating guideposts for your listings. Included are sample worksheets that are filled out as examples to help new and experienced Poshmark sellers. It's available now on Amazon, or you can find quick links at bemovingforward.com and in the show notes for this episode. If you want to learn more about starting a business on Poshmark, I've also written a book, The Poshmark Guide for Individuals and Small Businesses, which is available in paperback, Kindle, and audiobook versions. Stay organized with The Poshmark Seller Journal and start moving forward today. All right, we're back. We're talking about Transformers, the movie, the animated film from 1986. Now, as I mentioned, I did not get a chance to see this in the theater, but I remember seeing the commercials. They aired the commercials pretty early on, tacked on to the G1 cartoon. In fact, the Generation 1 cartoon aired first season in 1984, and then they did an expanded season, I think, in 85, Uh, into 86 and Transformers was really at the height of its popularity and it was I remember during the second season where they really expanded the world with more characters bringing in more characters obviously meaning they were selling more toys Uh, they really were building this world adding new characters adding nuance to the story and the basic story is this so let's talk about the plot 
And if you even if you didn't watch a G1 cartoon, it's pretty well established in Transformers the movie what the plot is. So the story is this, and it's kind of humorous looking back on this because this movie takes place quote unquote in the future, but it is set in the year 2005. So set basically 20 years after the G1 cartoon. And it's 20 years after the second season. And you've got two sets of uh, characters. You've got the Decepticons, who are the antagonists, the evil robots. They typically turn into war machines like airplanes, guns, things like that, tanks. And then you've got the Autobots, which are the good guys, and they mostly turn into vehicles, you know, such as cars and trucks and Optimus Prime. Even if you've never seen a Transformers movie, you you probably know the name Optimus Prime. He was the the leader of the Autobots, and he he uh, transformed into tr- into a truck. And uh, the leader of the Decepticons is Megatron. He transformed into a gun. And so the first two seasons is basically the the two sides warring with each other. They're from a planet called Cybertron. They end up on Earth. And in order to blend in, they transform into everyday objects, such as the aforementioned vehicles, such as airplanes, tanks, guns, cars, trucks, that sort of thing. And that's what made them so appealing, uh, you know, as a kid. I mean, it was just a cool concept of having this everyday looking object turn, you know, with a few twists and turns and some loose parts would turn into a robot. And so they battled on Earth Basically, for uh, because Earth was very um, energy rich, as it were, and both the Decepticons and the Autobots were desperate for energy. All right, so the movie takes place 20 years after the second season, which establishes basically the war between good and evil, Autobots and Decepticons. And basically, the, the Decepticons have nearly won the war, which I think is actually a pretty interesting way to start. It's it, it's very dark, tonally very dark compared to the original cartoon, which airing on TV had to be much more kind of sanitized. You, you couldn't show a lot of deaths or anything like that. And that was kind of how they got away with showing so much cartoon violence back then, was that these were robots. They would shoot at each other, but no one would actually die. And at the end of most of the episodes, the good guys won pretty much across the board. The movie takes a much darker tone. It's 20 years later. They establish at the outset that the Decepticons have actually won, and they've taken over the home planet of Cybertron. The Autobots are scattered. They're on two moons of Cybertron, and they're also stationed on Earth, as was established in the original cartoon. And then, meanwhile, throwing in a much larger problem, Aside from the war between the Autobots and Decepticons, there's a giant planet-eating monster, this robot named Unicron, voiced by Orson Welles, that's threatening the galaxy. And that's basically it. It is a very simple, straightforward story of good versus evil. And in fact, this is very similar to Star Wars. There are so many different elements in here that are similar to Star Wars, just in animated form with robots. Uh, This has been described in many ways. Uh, On the one hand, it is a loud, bombastic, giant hair metal music video. There is a lot of metal music in this this movie, surprisingly so. Uh, There's techno music, there's metal music, and I think it absolutely works. Even as someone who's not 
particularly a metal fan. And I shout out to my friend Angelo, who is a metalhead. And I, I did the voiceover for his audiobook. I am a professional metalhead. I did not particularly grow up a fan of metal music, but I can appreciate it in this film. I think it's got a, a great soundtrack, in my opinion. Very quintessential 80s, mid 80s soundtrack. But it is nonstop throughout this movie. It is immensely enjoyable. It moves very quickly. But I can understand where the criticisms come from. I imagine there must have been a lot of parents who took their kids to see this and had absolutely no idea who these characters were, why there were so many of them, and basically what happens. Because if you just sit down and watch this, while I think it's a fairly straightforward plot, I could understand a parent taking their kid to see this. Their kid probably loved the cartoon, had a bunch of the toys, and then all of a sudden seeing all of this visual just noise just thrown at you. I will say in its defense that the animation is absolutely gorgeous. If you look at it purely from an aesthetic point of view, this is some of the most beautiful animation work that came out of a commercially produced animated film in the 80s. And it definitely takes its inspiration from anime. Uh, you know, if, you've, if you're a fan of Japanese anime, I think if you watch Transformers the movie, you'll see that they took a lot of inspiration from that for the artwork. And the thing that really blows my mind about this movie is that this was not computer generated. The artwork in Transformers the movie is hand drawn and it still holds up. A lot of the artwork still holds up today. Now, there are parts of it, obviously, that haven't aged very well in terms of the animation. There are parts of it that still, you know, that look like it's a cartoon from the 80s. However, this is a true animated feature where it was really just lovingly hand-drawn. And the artistry is something I think should be respected. The thing about this movie, which I think made it controversial then, it's still in some ways controversial today, is that it killed off a lot of legacy characters. And I think that's where the disconnect came in. A lot of parents I mentioned had a very, very upsetting time taking their kids to see this movie, their kids having watched the G1 cartoon, fallen in love with these characters, buying the toys or you know, getting the toys for Christmas. All of a sudden, they're seeing their characters, their, some of their favorite characters get killed off on screen. So I think that's probably where the disconnect was. Uh, and I've read stories that there were a lot of upset kids. There were upset parents. It's just not a good situation all around. So I think this movie was both ahead of its time and yet at the same time probably did not find the appreciation that it would in years later. And that's what I want to point out. Transformers the movie is the type of movie, it flopped in the theaters. As I already mentioned, the box office numbers, it did not make its money back. And I think this was the type of film where they tried to go a little bit darker. They tried to push the narrative. They tried to make it a little bit more, uh, you know, intriguing, raise the stakes. Yet at the same time, they need to sell new toys. So I'm, I'm not going to discount that. They were trying to, you know, move new toys into the shelves and, and bring in these new characters. So they had to kill off these old characters. But I think... Given that the target audience were kids in elementary school, they just weren't ready for it. And my theory, and I think there's support for this, is that this movie gained a lot more appreciation in later years as those kids grew up and revisited the film. And they realized, wow, this is actually a pretty dark, sophisticated story that doesn't pull any punches. And I certainly 
had some of those feelings. I was shielded by not having seen this in theater. I probably would have been a little bit disturbed by seeing some of my favorite characters killed off. And I will admit, when I first saw this on home video, I had a little bit of a reaction seeing that. But fortunately, it was on a much smaller screen. I can't imagine. I imagine it must have been that much more of an experience seeing it on the big screen. However, this movie, I think, has gr- uh, not only grown in its appreciation, but I think a lot of uh, fans have come to revere it. It's, it's really become a cult classic. And I think new audiences have discovered it too. As as newer generations have discovered the the later films, the later series, a lot of them have gone back to the original G1 uh, incarnation and, and discovered that. So it's really interesting to see. But this is a movie that I think didn't quite know its target audience, which is kind of ironic because that target audience would later grow up and I think appreciate the film more. But this was really supposed to be aimed at kids. And so there was this disconnect between the darker tone of the film. Even though I think it is logical, I think it, it, it does uh, take risks that you couldn't do on the G1 or uh, cartoon in the first two seasons. Yet at the same time, I think that's probably why it didn't do so well when it first came out. Also, there was a lot of competition uh, at the box office. All right, so... Uh, I think this is a movie worth checking out and I'm just going to wrap it up now with the good and the bad. The good, it is a phenomenal voice cast and it's very rare that you see such an ensemble like this. You see voice actors, professional voice actors, many of whom are still working today, interspersed with film and television starts. And that's another thing. When I read off some of these names, I, th- I think most kids wouldn't have recognized who some of these people were. Certainly not like, you know, Robert Stack or Orson Welles. I mean, I kind of had an inkling of who these people were, but it wasn't until much later that I learned, you know, how legendary some of these people were. So I think that was probably something that kind of went over the heads of a lot of the kids who were the target audience. But it is a phenomenal voice cast, and and you can appreciate it on that level. I think it is an enjoyable story. It moves very quickly, maybe too quickly, uh, depending on uh, you know what kind of pacing and story you like. It is a visually a lot to take in. I will I will tell you that, but it is I think still beautiful animation, uh, and and it is fast moving. So if nothing else, it, it 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 the movie moves very quickly. Now in terms of the bad. I do think while it was bold of them to kill off some legacy characters, and I'm not going to spoil who in case you want to check this out, I think they did so a little too quickly. I think the the movie would have been served better if some of the legacy characters were not killed off so quickly and, in my opinion, a little too easily. But, you know, that's a debatable point. Uh, I also think while the first half of this movie I think is actually brilliant— the second half does meander a little bit too bit, bit and it, in some places not quite as solid. The other thing that I think is a negative of this film, it really kind of hamstrung the franchise because after this, the third season of the film really had no choice but to set it far into the future. And that's where I think the G1 story kind of loses steam. The third season of the original cartoon series is not is very uneven in many places part of which is because they set it so far ahead into what was then the distant future and the story doesn't resonate as much whereas 
the first two seasons of the cartoon and the, at least the first half of the film, part of its appeal is that these robots transform into everyday objects. Once you transport them into the future, they're transforming into what looks like someone's vision of the future, but is not necessarily what the future will look like. And now that we're way past 2005, you can see the difference. And that part, I think you might be humored, you might find very humorous is that what their take of the future was for 2005 doesn't look like what 2005 was and it doesn't look like what 2023 is today. So that's a negative. I mean, that. but in terms of overall, I think it's an enjoyable film. In terms of rating, uh, I'm going to be generous. I'm going to give this a solid four out of five stars. Some people might argue that's a little too generous, but I think this movie does hold up. Um, it's one that I've grown to appreciate a lot more in my later years, and it also holds a lot of nostalgia for me. In terms of where you can watch Transformers the movie, now here's the thing that's a bit of a head-scratcher. This is not a movie that airs on cable or streaming very often, and I'm not sure why that is. Considering that Transformers is such a popular property, I'm surprised that this does not air more. You can actually find the G1 cartoon on a lot of different streaming platforms. I, the last time I saw it, it was on. It was actually on Tubi. I don't know if it's still there, but Tubi is a free streaming uh, platform. Uh, it has commercials interspersed with it, but uh, that was the last place I saw where you could you could stream the G1 cartoon, the first two seasons, and I think the third season as well. The movie does not stream very often. So your best bet would be to get it on physical media. And I will have affiliate links from Amazon in case you want to purchase it. But I do think if you're a fan of the original cartoon, worth checking out. If you're a fan of any of the later series or the live action films, worth checking out. If you appreciate really good animation, just visually stunning animation, I think this is worth checking out. Or if you like just kind of like mindless action, uh, uh, and you like sci-fi, this is worth checking out. All right, and that is Transformers the Movie, the 1986 animated film. All right, I hope you have a great weekend, and I'll be back next week. If you enjoyed today's episode, consider leaving a rating and review. It helps the podcast and is greatly appreciated. Moving Forward is produced by John Lynn and bemovingforward.com. All rights reserved.